life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. Summer's here. The fun cars are coming out, which is nice. I'm seeing them everywhere all over town, Yeah, which is great. I mean, I'm seeing convertible 911s. I'm seeing Corvette Grand Sports. Yep. Sort of like, okay, yep. yeah, everybody's finally... Everybody's been hiding all winter. Yeah. And, I, and I'm driving the Lotus regularly now, and I'm leaving the top off as much as I can. Which it's great. I mean, and that's funny, because it's one of those things where I didn't buy the car because the top comes off, and I'm thrilled to have the hard top. But I, I mean, it's, it's excellent. But it's that spring fever thing. It's, yeah. It's just yeah. here's the thing. It's just warm enough now that it isn't too hot to have the top off. I know that sounds ridiculous. I, look at what I'm complaining about. But you know, I've had the top off a little bit. Thoroughly enjoying that. So cool. It's such a cool car. Oh, it's oh, such yeah. a cool car. I know I say it every time, but I, I I get I get a half mile from my house and I'm overwhelmed with I really like this car. I really, really and, like this car. You know, in the summer, the spring, all the, yeah. the driving season, it comes to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. But yeah, I'm seeing all these cars, stuff I didn't even know existed. I posted mm-hmm. something on Instagram recently. So it was a Brazilian MP Laffer, Lafer. Can't believe that's here. It's here. It's in pristine condition. That's bizarre. I'm seeing all kinds of stuff now because yeah, yeah, everybody's yeah. been really waiting. It just seems like it's been a long winter for some reason, even though it's been up and down, but it's not quite there yet temperature-wise. I, I think that's been the problem. I think it's because we've had winter for a week and then this muddy fall for a week, and we've done that for six months. So it's not yeah, like we had a nice yeah. winter. I think that's made everybody just kind of itching to go even more. But thrilled the cars are out. Hope you have a fun car out. If you don't, hey, welcome to the podcast. We'll try to find you a fun car. <laughs> yeah, we have two cool sure. car debates this evening. Uh, we have, and we also have a good topic to cover, but we have a car debate from Michael, uh, who's moving to Missouri. We're going to try to find him a car that he likes. Also, we have Patrick, uh, who is actually <laughs> working to be a partner in his law firm and realizing does my Fiesta ST match this? <laughs> Which is a bit of a problem. Right. But first, we have a really cool uh, topic Tuesday that comes out of one of your questions. Yeah, this is pretty awesome. And a lot of people have asked us, and there's, of course, stuff all over the internet. You can find all kinds of recommendations. But we thought we'd go through a beginner's track day guide mm-hmm. to help people out think of stuff, uh, think of items, and kind of get prepped. And it kind of came from a question, like I said, from a lot of you. But Scott B., back in April, asked mm-hmm. that we would do a beginner's track day guide. Yeah. Because because he went to a PCA track event here and he said, I've never heard of not using your handbrake after doing hot laps. Yeah. Things yeah, like yeah. that. So I, I do want to start kind of at the beginning and we can work up to future segments. But Possibly. the handbrake comes from the brake pad will melt to the disc. It yeah, will it'll, fuse it'll, itself it'll fuse after, itself to the disc, after which hot is a laps. And that happens, I feel like, every single time we go to a, a press track event, someone invariably does it. Yeah. Somebody does it, and yeah. and, they, and they're they're militant. Understandably, the, the press car car people are militant about don't no 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 don't touch the handbrake. <laughs> yeah, but I, and kidding. I will admit, look, when I stop a car, I typically pull the handbrake. I have to mentally think to not on the on the track days. I I will yeah. say what we're about to do will not be definitive. I just know we both kind of sat down and went what. What struck me as new and what struck me as important? And I'm sure we'll have different things, too. Yeah, and, you know, I approach this from a category. So there's okay. self-preparation, just what sure. do you need to do as a sure, person to good. get ready. That's good. Then there's the car prep. What do you mm-hmm. need to have done to your car? Very basic things. Mm-hmm. Then when you get there, the driver's meeting, and then finally first laps are just initial when mm-hmm. you're on track. I kind of divided things up into those categories. You were there's nicely detailed. more. Very, very, very good. I had Excellent. some time to think about this a little bit. And starting out with the self-preparation mm-hmm. part – there's things like don't, you know, 
get wasted the night before, don't guzzle alcohol, and you wake up hungover. And <laughs> This has happened on our pilgrimage trip, but that really is a bad day. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, things like get a good night's sleep, study the track maps in advance. There's probably whatever track you're going to, people who have posted their laps on YouTube. That I'm Start a, to study and immerse yes. yourself before you even arrive. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the... What is the event? I'll cover this at the very end, but again, we're not racing at a track day. It's a high-performance driving event. Yeah. You're not racing, so there's plenty of time to get immersed, You know, understand what group or club you're mm-hmm. going to be there mm-hmm. with, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then uh, YouTube, just seeing laps on YouTube and what people are doing. That's a great way to start thinking, that's the view I'm going to be seeing when I'm out there. I think actually that's a requirement. That's on my short list is at this point – because of YouTube, what do they have? Three hundred hours of, of video being uploaded every minute, or Is something. It it's something ridiculous. Amazing. Like it's it's something difficult to wrap your brain around when right. you think about it. Right. So the thing is, whatever track you're going to, I don't care if it's a little nothing track. You don't think in, it, it'll never wind up in a video game. It doesn't matter if you're going to a track event. Somebody has probably done it before you and posted their best lap. It may have three views. Right. But somebody has posted something, and you're right. It gives you that first-person perspective. You can't get anywhere else. I I agree. At this point, you... And you kind of have no excuse because online you can pull up the map of the track being absolutely, used. and then online you can Probably find any track on the planet. Yeah, you by can now. find somebody's POV lap that they did that they're proud of or they're not proud of or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just so because here's the thing, you don't want the first time you're seeing that road to be at speed with people that are that are better than you. <laughs> That's a bad day. It, I, I love going and finding new canyon roads True. and driving them for the first yeah. time. What's around this corner? Don't do that at a track. A giant moose in the so, road. Yeah, that's Whatever. happened too. But but don't do that at a track because yeah. everybody else, by and large, is going to know the track better than you if you're a first-timer at that track. So they're going to want to go faster than you. You don't want to do something boneheaded just because you don't know what's around this corner. I'm not suggesting you're going to watch this stuff and you're going to memorize it. I have a weird brain that kind of does that. I'm not suggesting that that's going to happen. Sure, But sure. if you watch a couple of that, then then you at least aren't. It isn't first time your eyes are on the corner when you're there, and it's possible, and it does help. Sounds pretty basic, but clear all the stuff out of your car. I mean, you can take all your water and snacks and sunscreen, and folding chairs are very helpful, by the way. Can be, yeah. Maybe a pop-up tent, or you can make friends with somebody who does have one. But <laughs> they will have all, many friends that day. All these kinds of things, you think, all right, transport your stuff, and then clear your car before you're on track mm-hmm. because, yeah, you're going to be very distracted by whatever's rattling around. It's mm-hmm. not going to put your head in the right space for where you need to be. Plus, dents from the inside out are never fun. So yes. just saying, laptop dent in the trunk, yeah, just take it out. And every, That's excellent. Everybody's different, but there are a lot of you out there, and you know who you are, who just inexplicably collect stuff in your cars. Beach balls, I'm basketballs, not, I'm not that chairs, guy. My box. wife, thankfully, is not that girl. But at the yeah. same time, I know a lot of people. I know car people who it's like, what do you do with all that stuff in your car? So some of you, rides it literally may be yeah. the night before you have to take some time and pull the stuff out of your car. Yeah. I mean, seriously, go through everything and, and kind of strip it down thinking, all right, this car is going to be turned into a track car, not yeah. a race car. But Stuff's going to get thrown around if it's not battened down, Well, you included. Stuff gets thrown around on our shoots mm-hmm. to the point where I clear everything out of the car that's on camera because we're driving pretty aggressively. We're driving for camera. Yeah. So I'll just clear everything. We think, you know what? That tripod will be fine back there. No, I'm going to clear it because it's it's going to fly around. The Pelican cases defend the cameras, but they could also dent the car from the inside. Yeah, that's all bad. Exactly. Okay, so a bit about car preparation, the basics. And this is starting at the beginning. You'd think it's pretty obvious, but maybe not. you got to think about this stuff. Seat belts, just check they're in good working order. Yeah. 
Yeah. Tires, tire pressure. Have a tire pressure gauge with mm-hmm. you. Lug nuts. Do a brake check. You know, of course, bring a torque wrench with you. You know, think about fuel, maybe fueling up at the track, but you probably want some high-quality fuel going through yeah. your car because yeah. it's going to be used at the higher end of the RPM scale all day yeah, long. for sure. Rearview mirrors, oil change, maybe before and after. Maybe you don't necessarily have to do that, but something to think about. Well, if you're, if you're about due for an oil change, go get your oil changed. Yeah, go then ahead and go do to it. your track day. Exactly. If you just got your oil changed, go do your track day. Don't worry about it. But, if, but honestly, if you're getting close, no, now's the time. Exactly. And then finally, before you get on track, before you even go there, talk to your insurance agent and be upfront with them because you don't want to have the conversation afterwards with your insurance agent where they kindly inform you, ah, do you see this line item in your policy right here does not cover track events. Now, that's up to you. Uh, yeah, you can I either, think it's dangerous. You can admit that. You can have a conversation before or you can purchase track insurance if you mm-hmm. want. Todd and I think the best track insurance you can possibly have is having someone evaluate you like a pro driver or a track instructor yeah, yeah, yeah. and talk you through the track before you're even up to speed. So you know the racing line, the braking points, the turn-in points, mm-hmm. track in, track out, all those kinds yeah, of things. Sure. And have somebody for evaluate sure. you and show you where to put your car mm-hmm. and where not mm-hmm. to put your yeah. car. That's the best insurance you could possibly get. Completely agree. I actually like that even better than track insurance. I would say to you, at least from my perspective, maybe this is subversive, but I would say to you, assume your insurance policy doesn't cover it and also assume your agent doesn't want to know this information. So if if you're (laughs) concerned enough, that is what these uh, track day insurance companies exist for. And some of them will do the thing where, okay, we're going to give you a a package deal because you know you're going to do six events this summer. You're going to do all the NASA events in your area, so we'll just give you a package deal that sometimes is a lot better as far as the daily discount than if you got a single day. But if you're going to go out and try it and you're concerned, look, I'll be really honest with you. If you're going to go out and be cautious, I don't think anything's going to happen to you. Right, I agree. But this is what insurance is for. So, uh, So I think there are plenty of really good track insurance companies out there. Don't bother your current insurance agent. Go get yourself covered for track and off you go. So you could certainly do that. But I I fully agree. We talk about it on our pilgrimage trip. We talk about it every time we go somewhere. When we shot our recent piece at Laguna and we didn't get an opportunity to have an instructor with us, Mm -hmm. look, I, from a game perspective and and ride-along perspective, all the stuff we're talking about, I kind of, quote, unquote, you can't see the air quotes, know the track. Yeah. yeah. But I still just so wish to have an instructor riding with me. Because I knew I wasn't doing that track right, right in a lot of places. So anytime you yeah. can have anybody, and, and, and look, we're going to say instructor, but I'm using that term broadly here. Maybe they're an instructor. Maybe you're with a small track group and they don't really have any actual instructors. But who's the guy that runs the group? Who's the guy that is the hot shoe that, that is driving the track well? And does it a Get lot. him to ride right seat. It exactly. doesn't matter who it is. Exactly. So if it's somebody that knows the track better than you, which if it's your first day is going to be most people, find the hot shoe and have them ride along. Uh, a lot of times they will, and that will be so informative as to, oh, what, what, here's what you'll learn. You'll learn, okay, all right, that mark in the pavement is your turning point. What mark? Well, what are you talking about? Right, right. Okay, look at that light pole. Look at that light pole. That's your reference point to turn toward. Okay, now forget the light pole. Now look around the corner. At, I didn't know any of that. Why am I looking at a light pole? Because that's the cue. Well, exactly, and that ties into games. You mentioned games, and everybody thinks, ah, I've got this because I've driven the game. You can also drive the wrong line in the game, and you can go far faster, and then you've got the reset button, control Z all day long, whatever that is. Guardrail? What possibly went wrong? Never know. You know, and so you're taking things far faster, and it it doesn't tell you the sensations of smell and speed and 
elevation and what your body's doing. It doesn't tell you any of that information. But the thing that might not be in the game is that pole way off in the distance. It's a light pole, and that's what you aim for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's weird. How but it's happens. not in the game because it's just digital sky in the background. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Because the creators of the game aren't thinking, ah, the pro driver is going to reference a landmark that we don't think is necessary to put in the game. We're just mapping the track. We're yeah, not putting every element happen. in there certainly does happen. that instructors rely on. I mean, whether it's bricks in the road or telephone poles way off in the distance or particular yeah. trees or a, a side of a hill or whatever that is. And most track days, luckily, will put down cones. They'll put down braking cones. They'll Certainly. put down apex cones. They'll, a lot of them will put down entry cone, like your turn-in cone, apex cone, and exit cone for your corners, which are unbelievably helpful. Those are also not – I don't care what your game is. The most detailed game in the world will not have those cones in it. <laughs> so yeah, that exactly. stuff's really helpful. But that's the thing. Having these people help you with your eyes, I, I find – I'm always thinking about my eyes now when I'm driving. Absolutely. And speaking yeah. of that, you mentioned it in passing. I want I want to touch on it here as well. Please set your mirrors. And I and I look. I I and, could argue and set mirrors. Correctly. I could argue with people back and forth about what people are comfortable with for their mirrors on the street. But I will take no argument <laughs> about the track. <laughs> your mirrors on the side of your car need to not see the edges of your car. They need to see the blind spots as best as possible. Exactly. If they're looking down the sides of your car. They're in too close. So turn them out. Yep. You yep. need to, and then this is crazy. I want to say something really nuts. Stay with me. Look in your mirrors. It sounds crazy. Look in your mirrors yeah. because the thing is you're going to get focused enough on driving fast and where's my car and what's going on and you're probably going to be a bit well amped, maybe a bit freaked out. But there <laughs> are other people amped. out there. And so like you that. need to be looking for other people all the time yeah. because you mentioned it earlier, folks, you're not racing. Exactly. You're, you're somewhere, exactly. you're going to get to drive as fast as you can, which means someone out there is driving faster than you can. And that's okay. And I don't care what they're driving. They're exactly. faster than you. When they're in your mirrors, find a spot and let them by. You need to be as ego-free as possible. And I'll tell you something crazy. It happened to me in Lemons. In the terrible Subaru wagon. Okay. If you let all the fast goes by, guys go by, you know what happens? <laughs> you wind up with open track. Yeah, you got a clear track ahead of you. You, you may be the that slowest the thing out there. That is the of being there. in the slow car. Totally. You may be the slowest wow. thing out there, but as soon as the fast pack finds you, chews you up, spits you out, and moves on, now you got clear track in front of you. You can do things like work your line. Where can I break? Work the proper Let's line. Let's turn yeah. in. Because if there's somebody beside exactly. you in the corner, you aren't going to find the proper line. You're not going to – I mean, that's the other thing you don't get in the game. You don't get actual pressure from a car beside you. No. You may see a car beside you in the game, but you never seem to feel that pressure. When there's an actual physical different. object in your in your peripheral vision, you just that's a little spooky. Also moving at hundred miles an hour. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or whatever your speed yep. is. Okay, quick note about the driver's meeting. This is usually required for any group that's out there. It it happens before the track goes hot. Sometimes groups will take van loads of people just on a track tour so they can actually drive yeah, the line yeah, yeah. real slowly. I mean, nine of you in a van, that's mm -hmm. fine. But you actually get to see and feel the track yeah. before you're even on it. But then you've got to go to the driver's meeting, and this is where you learn things like all the flag colors, what they mean, and what to do mm -hmm. when you see these flags. And yes, you do have to pay attention to them every part of the track, wherever yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah. And they, they will show up. And you'll uh, have oh, the yes. moment where you're like, yes. wait, what was that one again? That'll happen, and that's fine, but pay attention to the flags. Yep, so you're going to learn overtaking rules, and it depends on the group, and it depends on the track. Because we've been at Spa, where we've been instructed, you know what? Overtaking on both sides is cool with us. That's different than other tracks that we've been on, true. where it's not cool true, to true. overtake yeah. on the left or the right or whatever that is. It just depends, like I said. Yeah. So you're going to learn that. You're going to learn proper point buys. You're going to learn windows up, windows down, yeah. the time limits, how long you're out there. 
And then what happens if you have an off-track excursion, as all the instructors like to say? Yeah. What do you do if you do have an off? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're going to learn that kind of stuff. Then when you get to first laps, like we've said, you know, pro instructor, track instructor, something like that, you're going to learn about your driving position, which is very different than your road car, street car most style. Likely, yes. And they're yes, going to instruct you on that. And I would say, if you want, you could ask to be a passenger in somebody else's car and just say, hey, you've been here before. Yeah, you've got a hot car. Would you just let me hop in with as a passenger and let me take a few laps with yeah, you? Most people would be happy to oblige. Mm-hmm. They love mm-hmm. to, A, show off their driving style. <laughs> they love to have somebody in the car. And you know, people like to talk about their own driving style. So you learn about other people's and think, okay, I like that. I didn't mm-hmm. you know, like other things. Um, it's a good way of understanding other people's styles. For sure. Yeah, actually, something just struck me as we're thinking about it. This sounds weird, but look into the rules of the club you're getting in with to see if they have clothing restrictions. Clothing is important. Pretty much everybody is going to say long pants and closed-toed shoes, but some groups are also going to say long-sleeve shirts. I'm not really sure why, but some do. Some do. Just depends. as much as I would love to rage against the fact that uh, well, when you drive the Nurburgring or Spa, which are both pretty much the Wild West and high speed, you can have your windows up. Pretty much everywhere in the U.S., you're going to have windows down. There really is pretty no much. arguing that. They will give you a reason as to why it's safer. Look, when you're flying down the Nurburgring, and there's a Yahoo next to you that might be on fire and you've got your windows <laughs> up, don't talk to me about safety. Okay, safety has clearly, pardon the pun, out the window. But, but, uh, but in the U.S., they will argue exactly. about that safer. Okay, just roll your window down and deal. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, but weeping and gnashing of teeth happens there. But that's important. Uh, and then I'm going to say work within your limits. Very much so. I agree. And speaking of which, leave traction control on. Yeah. You don't need to just turn everything off the minute you get into something hot. <laughs> Go explore the track for a while and leave it on. And as a matter of fact, press car folks require traction control to be left on unless you get specific permission. They'll check. They do prefer that, yes. They they actually ask us to do that. And then you'll learn, like I said, braking zones. Cones are usually out for the driving events. They do not put them out for races because, you know, you're racing. And speaking of racing, there's a big difference. So <laughs> it's a it's yeah. a track event, but we're not trying to be better than the guy next to you. You're just trying to learn the track and be cool and yeah. you know be pointed by, and then finally don't be a straightaway hero. So don't uh, yeah, that's a you good know one. you're creeping your way through the corners, and then you've got a Corvette, so you can mash the gas and leave everybody in in your wake. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then everybody's on you, like people who are driving Lotus Elises. I don't know. Well, but I'll, I'll give you an example on Laguna. Okay, for example, there was a guy on Laguna that listens to the show. Okay. That was there in his Cayman. Okay. okay. And he'd had instruction oh, yeah, on right. Laguna. Right. All right. And I'm in the big Z06 and he was in my group. I mean, okay? that's a car to be a straightaway hero. And, in. and, and the Z06, let's be honest, with someone other than okay. me behind the wheel, the Z06 should pretty much take down everybody on the track day. Corners, straights, doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, you and yeah. I are spending time talking to camera. We're in a press car we don't own that is a six figure <laughs> press car. It <laughs> exactly. had like. They were certainly going to change the tires after we gave it oh, back because oh, yeah. we got it and it was already like, are those tires legal? <laughs> those <laughs> tires are four thousand miles on. Oh new, man, I think. The, the tires were pretty much done when we yeah. got it, and now we're on track. <laughs> so, and then you and I are not trying to be rock stars. Plus, we keep talking to cameras. All of that means that I knew going in, I'm not going to be the fastest guy out here. I may be really fast on the straights, but if somebody shows up, well, in my rearview mirror, halfway through one of my sessions, a guy in another Z06 passed me. Okay, great, fine. And then on his tail, looking for the pass, 
is this guy that listens to the show that drives the Cayman. No kidding. And he was in my mirror, and I went, you know what, man? You're chasing him, and he's this is his local track. He goes to Laguna. He's oh, had instruction. Well, there you go. It was like, man, you take it. And I got over the first chance I got because you're actually chasing the big boy Z06. You're staying with him. You're up on in, in my trumpets, and that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, you've, got totally. to, you've got to try. It's hard. You've got to try to be ego-free. Go expecting to be surprised by what your car can do. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to start shopping Just for tires. Oh, yeah. You're going to be addicted. You're going to shop racing sites thinking, <laughs> I need to upgrade my helmet and everything else. And Frightening. Wheels, huh? Some people run lightweight wheels and tires just for track purposes, huh? Uh, and unless you have a... Dump your money. Yeah, unless you have a really heavy car, and I'm looking at the M cars from BMW because we've heard this a lot. Unless you have a really heavy car, you probably won't kill your brakes in your first time out ever because you probably won't be aggressive enough probably on not. your brakes. Yeah. So don't there. stress that. You'll get there. Don't you'll, worry. You'll get, yeah, it'll happen You'll quick. get to the money spending It'll place. happen quick. Yeah, exactly. Soon enough. So most people going out for first track day ever, you're not going to consume enough that you can't get yourself home or, oh, my gosh, I have to spend money this second. I mean, I would recommend a pad change, but sure. for most people, I don't think you're going to get to that place. And I would just say, okay, once you start to get comfortable, let's. I'm going to go – uh, not advanced here, but I'm going to go a step beyond complete newbie here. Okay. You're driving. You're getting the later sessions in the day. You're going to have corners on the track. I don't know what track it is. I don't know what corners they are, but corners on the track, you're like, I got this corner. This corner makes sense to me. Sure, sure. Great. Now, those are the corners to break a little later. Those are the corners to try a slightly sure. different line. As you're working up to comfortability exactly. and exactly. knowledge. Don't and go out there a hero to begin with. Don't pretend you're a hero, but as you start to get comfortable in certain places on the track, Try things. Mm-hmm. Don't try crazy things. Don't be don't be an idiot. Okay, still be an adult. Yeah, but you can break a little later because because what's almost always going to happen with a first time person on track? I'm guilty, and I've been on lots of tracks. I break too early. I, most which is, people do, which, unless you're a pro which, by driver. the way, is fine. <laughs> exactly. Breaking too early is much better than the yeah. alternative of breaking too late. I'm yeah. just going to put that out there. Always better. But once you start to get comfortable with a corner, you realize I'm breaking at the three cone. I can break at two and a half. <laughs> so break it two and a half. Because there are young, unnamed Formula One drivers who claim to crash at the same place in the game as they do in real life. Yeah, that that's happened. Will, that has, that, will not that go is, there. That is what the world we're living in. That has actually <laughs> happened. For those of you that don't track, you're trying to find the fast-forward button on this podcast, and now we're probably going to actually go to car debates. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Michael, thank you so much for writing in. Michael is moving home to Missouri with his wife, currently in Austin, Texas. They're moving home, but they're struggling to find the dream car. He's, he's looking for the car that he wants to hang on to for a while. Mm-hmm. You didn't say how long, but you've kind of rocketed through a bunch of different cars. <laughs> you trace cars so fast that like more than six months is going to be a long-term car. Honestly, I mean, there's cars in this list. And by the way, thank you for listing your car history. It's, yeah, for sure. It covers Cavaliers to Accords to Corvette Grand Sports. Yeah. Very diverse, but there's some of these cars in the recent sports car category that you've owned that you've had for just a few months because Mm -hmm. an aspect of that car suddenly didn't appeal to you after you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you wanted to change, and you're willing to change right then and there. Yep, for sure. So we've got, what, a list of five or so cars in the recent history that you need to know about here. Mm -hmm. 2014 Camaro 2SS. Yep. Got a good deal on that car, but... To him, the car didn't handle very well, and so he went to a 2014 370Z Nismo. Okay. Handling problem solved. Exactly. New issues, which are (laughs) didn't like the engine and didn't fit well in the seats. Right, right. So then he went to a 2010 Corvette Grand Sport, 
love the motor. Mm-hmm. As, yeah, that's, that's a, it's an easy engine to like, yeah. But he said the chassis just didn't seem very stiff enough, so he should have gotten a Z06 with a fixed roof. Mm-hmm. Back, you know, would have improved the handling. And he also hated the stock interior on that car, especially the seats. He's 5'10", and so he's had a few cars where he's had some seat trouble, not comfortable in, in yeah. anything. And you and yeah. I have talked about tall people in seats, and it just it kind of depends on who it's, you are and your it's build. It's body type. It, yeah. he, he's saying I'm 5'10", but I'm stocky. And so he's having trouble with a lot of seats just being right for him. And that's the thing. Seats are very personal. And you and I. Absolutely. You and I, it happens all yeah. the, almost every single shoot. You and I will get out of a car and disagree on seats. Almost every single shoot. And we're the same height, but our bodies are very different. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and, yeah it's, it's crazy how that works. So the, the Grand Sport didn't work for seats and bad interior, which, honestly, <laughs> well. the 2010 Grand Sport, bad interior. Uh, so he decided, all right, completely different. I got I to gotta cleanse my palate. The 2018 Chevy Silverado. <laughs> this is not different. the same. This is the, everything about that is, is different. So he just thought, all right, you know, just just I got a great deal on it. He was just, I'm going to hunker down and I'm going to research cars. What car do I need? And right. he starts reading about the BMW M4 and realizes, I think that's my car. Right, right. And then three months later, after he buys one, he's disappointed with the car. He says the engine and transmission are perfect, mm-hmm. but the car has a numb feeling when driving. And he says the interior rattles are just getting to him. He can't stand it. It's interesting. He's having a rattly interior on his M4, and and uh, yeah, the steering a car is numb. you think shouldn't have a rattly you would interior. Think, you would think, but the Come steering on. is numb because, of course, it's now electric steering, mm-hmm. and it's a large your, car. Depending on your experience, that is going to feel a kind of numb. So I, you've had that problem. So this is the this is the conundrum now. I mean, okay. I admit to liking the M4 on the ring. It it hustled. It just hustled. It did, but it never felt it, it never felt anything but big for me. I just it's felt, big. Oh, it felt huge it's definitely the whole big. Time. Yeah, it just it had you know the power on the straights that I was looking for, and yeah, it was quick. Just I mean, it hustled. Yeah, it, could it do the corners? Yes. Was it the best feeling? No. Yeah. But it could do it. I mean, after all, it's an M4. It's I hit two sixty five, two seventy down the front straight of got the ring. Power. Right, like Bilstein Bridge, because I, I didn't yeah. look under the bridge because there's a lot going on. But <laughs> I remember seeing 265 and still climbing while I was approaching Bilstein Bridge. That Man. and and that was a good 10 to 15 for comparison, faster than the M235 through the same spot. I mean, it's such a, it's such right on the cusp car because the rest of the ring you want something lighter. I yeah, I'd, I'd want a Cayman, honestly. Yeah, I hear you. But then on the straightaway, it's just got that power and the momentum and that shove. <laughs> it's a train. So it's, like, it's a train. So anyway, so there's a lot going on that's good about that car, but that's probably not right. So we're looking at, at maybe maybe as much as fifty grand to work with. He'd love to be less if possible. Right. And he started to give us okay, <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Having me yeah. On the podcast. You you have you have listened to us. Anyway, uh he actually did drive while thinking, okay, what other cars have I not experienced? He drove a friend's nine nine seven Carrera S. Yeah. I'm glad and, you did. Yes, absolutely. And and he thought, all right, it's hard to find uh, hard to find these, but it might be interesting to, to shop for, get one for under forty. He liked it. But he had that problem. Now, look, you've driven a lot of big, powerful stuff. You've driven a lot of very varied stuff. He had that problem with not liking the non-turbo traditional 911 engine. You felt, thought, where is the torque? Which, mm-hmm. okay, coming out of the M4, yes, that's a fair question. Where is the torque? Because the M4 <laughs> is turbocharged so much, there's torque all the time. It's lovely. So the 997-911, now that is, for you, those of you following along, that is the 911 prior to the current one. 
Yep. So yep. that'd be an 05, 06, some, something in there. Right. On it's a car we like. It's a car we like, but he didn't like the no torque down low, and he actually didn't like those seats either. Yeah, and I'm trying to find a common thread in the reasons you didn't like a car or traded it in, and Todd's touched on this, and is it is that instant power, that instant torque mm-hmm. that you like. For the Porsches, I mean, are there... Porsches that will do that? Sure, there are. They're very yeah. expensive. Well, and, and now the new turbo everything. Yeah, they're going to be turbocharged. So the the other ones that are more affordable, they're not going to have that shove that you're looking for. They're not yeah. muscle cars in a sense. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason I'm into them is because, not because it has that, but because of the overall package that it is. Mm-hmm. So I, I, my, uh, my requirements, of course, are different than what you're looking for. But I keep thinking about your other listings about things you're looking for or that you've experienced. Another 2014 C7 Corvette, getting back to that V8. He's even got a Viper GTS. Well, he's listed th- the three cars he's looking at. Holy the current, moly. The current vet, a 9602 Viper GTS, or maybe get back into a Camaro, get the new one, get, get a ZL1. These are the three he's eyeing the most. Wow. What is the common thread there? Sledgehammer power. Totally. Totally. He's thought of the Exige and the Evora, which don't have the power that no. you know, you're talking for or no. looking about. The GT350 is on your list. Fifth generation Camaro Z28, and then the Camaro SS 1LE, so the brand new mm-hmm. sixth generation 1, 1LE. Yeah. So that leads us to the decision making here. And I, I'm considering all these things that you're looking for. And I do love that the GT350 is on your list because mm-hmm. that is a contender. I see no Porsche ownership in your car history, and I see no Ford ownership. I I'm rereading well. the list yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not even seeing Ford ownership in here. And again, keep in mind, this is a car he's looking for long term. Mm-hmm. And a while, he means longer than four months is kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah, seriously. I mean, the only Ford at all was the Ford Ranger. So clearly, we have not yeah, covered right. the Ford car world or the Ford sports car world. You need to at least – look, let's start the basics. Are you comfortable in a GT350? Does yeah. that seat work for I you? I mean, we can recommend it, but you've got to. You know, seat seem to be a big deal. Get in the base version. Get in the upgraded version. You know what? What? How are you in those seats? I'm going to take the the Exige and the Avor are out. They're completely out. I agree. I don't think the seats are going to make you happy. I don't think the space is going to make you happy. The fifth gen Z28 is interesting, and you'd love the power, but if you're having interior issues. Mm, that's a that's a sparse car. <laughs> it, it is a fantastic sparse track car. It's like Mitsubishi built a Camaro. It, well, it, it's yeah. If I decided, <laughs> kind of I, if I decided I liked really powerful cars tomorrow, <laughs> that'd be my car because it there's really nothing interior to discuss. But there it is. It's got a lot of power. Interior by Mitsubishi. No, <laughs> that's, that's not exact them. other end of the spectrum from handling by Lotus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. All right, so yeah, like I said, coming back to that Mustang, mm-hmm. I think I see that. that car and the energy and the excitement of driving that car should be on your list. Mm-hmm. But again, we want to make sure you fit. I think you will, but those seats that come in that car are even more uh, race-like, refined, and tighter than any of the 997 seats that you've experienced. So I'm concerned yeah. about these seats. I mean, we're kind of shoehorned in there. We like it. We're great. Yeah. But in that car, if I recall, those seats are quite snug i'll say those recaros are good i will actually say though i think those recaros and we talked about it on our rivalry piece this last season i found the gt350 seats to be a little larger in a good way than the ones in the current camaro mm-hmm. camaro they, also had recaros too they both did but, but very different surprising design. about yeah what's surprising about the ones in the camaro is this is weird and i said it on the tv show they're short they are mm. short 
Hmm. The, the, something about my shoulder. No, some guys that have big shoulders have problems in uh, in race style seats. They crowd. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The but the Camaro ones. If you you can look at me on on, on screen. Somehow my shoulders are hovering up above the part that the shoulders are supposed to be at in the Camaro, but they're not in the Mustang. Yeah. Which makes yeah. me think the Mustang is the better choice for you of those two. I have a couple of others because the thing I was really struck by here is he wants power kind of all the time, that feel. He liked that in his M4. The M4 also, let's be honest, this is a car, well, the, the BMW that you had in your life. You, you want a nice interior, which, again, the reason I think that fifth Gen Z28 is out you kind of would like to have back seats because you and your wife may be having kids soon. It would just be nice to have a car that is kind of usable. Now, yeah. look, you've got a Viper as a consideration on your list and a vet. You're not tied to that. Right, right. But that would be a nice bonus. I thought, all right, can I get you in a 2 plus 2? GT350 has got good personality, and it is a 2 plus 2. I think that's a real option here. Okay. I have two others. All right. I think I've solved your BMW problem. I'm wondering. Because what do you like about the M4? Power. Yeah. But you don't like the steering. Okay. I'm My wondering. Friend, get your, and then you mentioned in passing on the Viper, the one of the things you like about the Viper, I know it seems weird I'm joining these. One of the things you like about the Viper is the fact that if you buy a Viper now, it's just going to keep its value. Yeah. Yeah, mostly. So I present to you the BMW 1M. Oh. Turbo punch, which you like from the M4. Back seats. Hydraulic steering. And you buy it at 50 and you sell it at 50. It's true. I think that's it's the true. BMW for you, Michael. Honestly, that, that, that to me is the BMW for you. I have one other one, but I'm curious what else you have. I, I'm going to go BMW M2. Oh, okay. It's, it's All right. splitting hairs here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But think about you know modern car, very much a smaller car than any of the ones you've listed on here, mm-hmm. as is the 1M. I, I could go either way on these cars. But the M2, I'm just thinking, lose its value? Uh, not for a while. They're right about 50 grand right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sure, they'll go down. The 1M will depreciate far less, I think. It may stay still, but yeah. Yeah, it may start to go up at some point mm-hmm. again, but... I'm thinking M2 just because of seats and space, and it's a bit more car than the 1M. It is. It is. Uh, just in terms and definitely of more modern. Yeah. usability and all that kind of stuff. But we love both cars, M2, 1M. I, I mean, the M2. Splitting hairs here. Yeah, you're right. The M2 has that electronic steering. So there is better steering than the 1M, if that's a concern. Now, I think yeah. the M2 has better steering than the M4, but, man, we're getting into splitting hairs. But overall, we've always said that BMW seats are way up at the top of our list. They're good. They're really good, yeah. And you probably liked the M4 because of the interior and yeah, the seats. Did. And then He had issue with rattles, but not with the seats. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. still a modern car, even on the 1M. I mean, it's mm-hmm. only a 2011 car. Yeah. And so the seats in either of those cars will be excellent. The power is still there. I think they're solid all-around cars mm-hmm. that really meet what you need, what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're going to be longer term cars than, okay, Camaros are fun and cool, but then you're going to think, all right, visibility and some seats and, you know, who knows, gas mileage or whatever it is. So these cars are like nines in every category for me. I see that. I totally see that. I mean, and I want to revisit your list a little bit before I drop the last one, which is kind of a wild card because I think it's a little bit out of the box in some ways. But look, I'm going to back your C7 idea a lot, except for the fact you've already owned a vet. That's the only reason sure. I'm not like leading with that sure. because the C7 is great in seats. It's great in interior. It, I mean, they've done a lot of great things with that Corvette. I think it is a great one. 
There's a lot of things about it I like. Uh, you're going to have to try the seats out there. You, you've mentioned here that you know that it has the normal seats and the competition seats. Do try both. I'm sixes on those seats. I think it kind of depends on what you're using the car for. The Z06 okay. we had had the competition. They were great. They were excellent. The original C7 yeah. we had didn't, and it was, they were still really good seats. Yeah. We didn't have any complaints. So yeah. definitely try that. There's nothing wrong with the C7 Corvette. The Viper is a, is a twist. The Rarely Viper do is, we talk about Vipers, The Viper is a fact. twist because, I, here's the thing, I think it's out because of interior. Yeah. I, I don't know if you sat in one. I don't know how those seats are going to treat you. I have heard of people complaining about the Viper seats before. I have heard complaints about those seats. I, I have enough seat time in one. I've driven it a few times. A little bit. Of, it was track time. I wasn't thinking about that. But uh, I have heard people complain about driving that car for, for seats. Um, I don't know because we're also talking about – we're not talking about the latest Viper. We're talking about the 96 to 02 yeah, and if just, build quality is an issue, not yeah. that they're not built well. It's just, you know, if squeaks and rattles got to you in a BMW M4, ah, you're probably not going to love the Viper. Well, and, and he's complaining about, understandably, complaining about the, the C6 Corvette interior. Well, yeah. that is almost a luxury car <laughs> compared to the Viper of the, of the late 90s, early yeah. 2000s. So that's why I think the Viper's out. I get the power. I get the attitude. But that brought me to my wild card. Okay. Michael, you want accommodating seats you want back seats you want power all right hellcat challenger my friend go drive one you think so it's not look you want to have fun on back roads but you're not talking about taking this car to a track no when they're about we, 50 grand like when you we can drove, find a lot of them well for 50 yeah grand absolutely right you could probably find ones for less than that if you shop around i mean like wow. like we said before the minute they get to 30 grand lock your house because <laughs> somebody's about to put the challenger through the front front room okay defend exactly. yourself because that's going to be no good at exactly. all and you we think we have, near a freeway you think there's trouble with mustangs leaving car clubs oh. when, when, when somebody oh. that has no business driving puts themselves in a challenger because they got it for twenty five grand, I'm telling you, don't don't film that. Go hide cars that don't need to be tuned. Hellcats. Man, oh man. Anyway, but but seriously, I, that car is genuinely fun on a back road. When we drove it, is mm-hmm. genuinely fun. It's heavy. She's it's, she's it's, heavy. It's a big girl. Ooh. It's a big girl, yeah. but it is fun to drive all the time. And the power is a laugh. Since power is interesting to you, I really wonder if a Challenger should be on the list. It's not mm. the agile one of this group, but it might do. I'm looking at that attitude in the GTS uh, uh, Viper. Okay, I'm looking at the attitude there. I'm looking at the power there and going, okay, I can do a <laughs> lot of that in the Challenger. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's second only to the Viper in an engine that wears a car like a cape. Yeah, uh, the, the car and the body is almost secondary. It's just all about the engine. Yeah. So. I that crossed my mind too. I, I'm I'm really coming back to the BMW M2 or 1M. I okay. like those cars okay. yeah. for the longer term aspect. I sure. see your Hellcat. Yikes! Fifty thousand dollar, twenty five thousand dollar Hellcats is worrisome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, for those of you worried about the apocalypse, I'm sorry. It's not zombies I'm frightened of. It's 20-year-olds in $25,000 Hellcats that the last thing they drove was a Civic. I'm terrified of that. Pretty much. Yeah. I'm just I'm just thinking still the BMWs just because of the all-around, the seats, the, mm-hmm. the uniqueness it. of those I see cars. it for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Michael, thank you so much for writing. We really appreciate your email. Hey, if you've got your own debate and you've got a story around it, and uh, we'd love to hear it. So write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can find us right on the website. A lot of people are writing to us from there, and you can contact us on the website at everydaydriver.com there. So please write to us. Looking forward to your story, and uh, we'll take a quick break. 
Okay, in the next 30 seconds, I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but stick with me. I'm not good with numbers. We're going to be in this together, I promise. In 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. This company has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company, of course, is GEICO. Go to GEICO.com today. Sorry for all the numbers, and I'm out. Here's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. It's kind of weird, right? Well, here's another tip you might also not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid. You know, so you'll know if you're getting a good deal before you buy. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, a chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? <laughs> I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. In our ongoing quest for a certified Paul-owned car, we have our friends at Brush Hero, who you've, you may have even seen it on Shark Tank. Brush Hero is this water-powered cleaning machine, comes with two brushes, the soft brush and the hard brush. I will admit I haven't even tried all of the ways this works. They, they talk about you can use it on barbecue grills. By the way, I will, not, I will say don't use it on a barbecue grill and then use it on your car. Maybe get a different brush head. There is this new two brush heads included starter kit right now that is available, a soft one for sensitive surfaces, and uh, you can even have the, the tough one, which I will probably use on wheels. This is what this is really designed for, so I don't have to get out a wheel towel. You have a wheel towel. I don't have a wheel towel. This is what Brush Hero is for. It's an impressive amount of torque. It's entirely water-driven. There's no engine. There's no motor or electronics or anything. The torque of the water coming through your hose spins the head and provides water to the head. This is Brush Hero. It's trying to make your life easier while cleaning your car. You've got to fight the war on muck with the Brush Hero as the ultimate cleaning and detailing tool. It's a great gift for Father's Day, and there's gift sets for every budget. They've even got extensive line of accessories. And now Everyday Driver listeners are getting a special offer. You can go to BrushHero.com and use the promo code DRIVER to get 10% off any order over $50 plus free shipping. You can also find Brush Hero on Amazon or at select Costco stores, but to get the exclusive offer, go to BrushHero.com, use the promo code DRIVER, plus all orders over $40 ship for free. Our next car debate is for Patrick, 
who is about to be a partner in a law firm and drives a Fiesta ST, which is one of my favorite images that I've ever thought of as we've read these car debates. I like this more than I can tell you. That is pretty cool. I mean, they're not going to think, we're paying him too much. That's I, but, just but, not going to be a problem, I feel like I feel like you and I are kindred spirits. It's like, I don't care what I do for a living. I like this car. So I want to get back awesome. to you and your Fiesta ST in a minute. Before we do that, though, I want to mention real quickly, you have probably heard we have our pilgrimage trip coming up. Yes, yes. But some possible new information. I just want to be really candid with you guys. Paul and I were talking about this before we started the podcast. This trip is an expensive trip. I will fully admit that. It is. Yeah. Going to Europe, in case you haven't noticed, is expensive. Go to Europe and sit by a pool. Still expensive. Yeah, it's not okay? the plane fare either. It's But but you're going and you're getting the, the track access. You're getting instructors, cars, fuel. All of this adds up. We don't do this trip to try to make a bunch of money. We do this trip to try to take right. as many of you guys as can go and want to go and to cover expenses. Yeah. Here's the twist. Honestly, there is a number at which we have to have a certain number of people go for the trip to work. Right, right. We were close, and now some people have dropped out, which is totally understandable. Life changes. People have dropped out, pulled their deposits, that kind of thing. The trip right now is kind of on a seesaw. Is it going to happen for 2018? We'd love it to happen. We would. But yeah. I want to be candid yeah. with you guys that are listening. In case there are those of you listening that are that are on the cusp of, should I go this year? I'd kind of like to go. Should I go? If you're deciding, we would love for you to sign up. This is not a pressure tactic. It's literally because we are deciding what's the point at which we have to pull the plug this year. We'll go next year. But what's the point that we have to pull the plug this year yeah, because yeah. we just don't have enough people to cover the expenses of the trip itself? Yeah. So if you're on the, on the edge, we would love to have you because we want to go this year. We are still planning on it. But I want to be candid with you guys about where we are and where we aren't so that we don't just pop up one of them and be like, hey, big surprise. I, I want you guys to kind of know the process we go through to get this trip to happen. We so want to go. Those of you that have signed up, Ted, I'm looking at you. Those of you that have signed up, we want <laughs> exactly. to take you. It'll be a very cool trip. So we'd love to have you. That is the spa. Ring, and both museums in Stuttgart, plus a lot of Autobahn driving. All the cars, everything's covered. Everything. Love yeah. to have you with us. It's plane fare wherever you are on the planet, and then once we pick you up, everything's covered short of souvenirs if you want to <laughs> throw down for some stickers. We will not a, buy you a Nürburgring shirt. shirt and they have very cool jackets, but oh, other yeah. than that, yeah, exactly. No, thank you for bringing that up. And yeah, like I said, you keep hearing us talk about it. We really want that to happen. And the, the invite is very much of a, if you've even been close to thinking about this and you can think about you know what i want to make it happen this year yeah we'd love it's really cool it's really cool all right so back to back to patrick's email here (laughs) he's had fast sedans he's had sports cars but he has never had such an instantly responsive balanced and eager little machine like he says here he goes out and just does you know heel and towing practice after work, like, mm-hmm. welcome to your stress reliever. Yes. I yes. love that. He just goes and drives the Fiesta ST to say he drove the Fiesta ST. And, look, I love that you bought one. We've, we've talked to, to many of you, and uh, Patrick's the latest, who have just said, you kind of went, Fiesta ST, really? <laughs> and so many people, us included, have talked about it. You finally went and drove one and went, oh, oh, now I get it. So I love that you love this car so much. The problem is that you're having that uh, when should I be a grown-up issue. <laughs> so let me paint this picture for you. Occasionally, he has to drive around other clients and witnesses and experts and other lawyers and like probably friends. So much. I like this so much. <laughs> he says, I can't help but feel a little bad when I glance in the rearview mirror and see my crammed-in passengers don't feel the same as I do about my car. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, they're not having any fun. You are. So he's looking for something that has that feeling, Mm -hmm. and he Mm -hmm. can't see himself getting rid of it, but the kids are getting bigger, and yeah, other people that he might like to leave a good impression on in the back seat that are now hating him. He wants to... You know, have that feeling, but slightly larger and something nicer, too. You know what I'm envisioning right now? I'm envisioning the parking lot of this law firm where all the partners park. Mercedes, you know? Mercedes, Mercedes, Mercedes. Yeah, BMW. Here, oh, look, you, 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 you didn't go 5 Series. You went 7 Series. Oh, look, you got a 3 Series. Oh, the oddball that got the Volvo S90. Yeah, right. Okay, right. now we've got Audi, 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 Audi. <laughs> Bright blue Fiesta ST. And then we move on. I, I like this image so much. I want to make an ad out of it. But, so uh, you know, it's a drive what you love ad. But but I understand what you're dealing with. So the Fiesta ST may have to go. He said his question, though, is he really likes the fact that he's driving the Fiesta ST at the upper limits of its capability. He likes pushing cool. that slow car that is very fun to drive, very fast. And he's going, okay, if I can get, let's just say, 80% out of my Fiesta ST, Am I going to be using like 20, 30% of a Focus RS? And am I going to enjoy that? This More than that, I'd say. But this is his question. Yeah. And and honestly, I think I think from a perception and comfort of passengers perspective, by the way, I'm just going to say this, the Focus RS <laughs> is a lateral move. It's <laughs> it a lateral. Better. You you didn't you didn't gain a perception thing your and passengers your passengers hate you 10% less. Maybe, because <laughs> the thing is, while it's a larger, slightly nicer cabin, it is a much rougher ride. Yeah. Yeah, well, then you managed to combine the best of our worlds in one sentence, <laughs> Patrick. He writes, the day Lotus makes an Exige-based Panamera, I'll be the first in line. Just imagining what that yeah, car. It's I awesome. want to go sketch that car right now. Well, remember when Lotus had the, they hired the guy from Red Bull and they dropped five uh, different yeah. ideas at once and one of them was going to be a four-door sedan? And we were all like, that would be cool. Sure. Where is this car now for our friend Patrick? <laughs> All right, so my choices are divvied up here into three. And I'm going old school, I'm going brand new, and then I've got a wild card for you, Patrick. I I have four and a wild card. All right, excellent. I'm starting old school here, E39 M5. Ooh. 2001 to 2003, E39 M5. Like it. 400 horsepower V8, manual transmission. It's a four-door sedan. The best of BMW's build and handling and all that stuff. Love that car, and they're fifty grand for nice ones yeah. with thirty to forty thousand miles yeah. on it. He's got fifty grand on the high end, and you are now a lawyer in a BMW. Bravo! Anyway. I hate to say you're now it's, a lawyer in a BMW. It's fine. It's fine. But yeah. that car is a discerning choice because people say, "Oh, how come you went old BMW?" And you'll say, "Well, because mm-hmm. they don't make them like they used to." Yeah, that's absolutely. why. Absolutely. Yeah. Want to go to lunch? Let me take you <laughs> sideways. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the modern choice. Now we're going away from the automatic or from the manual transmission, but this is also something that I think would not just stand out in the parking lot, but I think would be small enough to kind of get you excited about this car. Okay. 2018 Jaguar XE R Sport for 51. Hmm, that is tempting. Different car. It's a different yeah. choice. Yeah, it's a unique choice in that category, for but sure. But I'm just wondering. It's not the big Jag. It's kind of the three to four series size Jag. It's, yeah, it's their three series competitor. So you can have three series, three series, three series Jag, Jag in the parking who lot. Who drives yeah, exactly. this car? Yeah. And again, I don't think that people would say, wow, well, we're, you know, what's your hourly rate? <laughs> yeah. Billing us too yeah, much. Yeah. It's still in that category of fun, discerning. Mm-hmm. You're a car enthusiast, different kind of car. But my choice for you... And this is a wild card. This is very crazy. Okay. 
It's a Honda Civic Type R, but you have to debadge it. You have to take the rear wing off. And then I want you to get a really nice set of wheels for it that are more of a luxurious look, like a, a higher spoke count wheel. Multi-spoke wheels. Yeah, I see Because that. it's four-door, manual transmission, plenty of space for people, boatloads of fun to drive. Yeah. But if you've got the wheels that kind of say a little bit, it brings it up market a little bit with the nicer <laughs> wheels. You can go lightweight on the wheels, improve the performance even more. Are you going to be going 120 when the wing really matters? Probably not. Yeah. I hear that. 80 to 100, maybe somewhere in there on Canyon Roads or whatever it is. Interesting. How about a debadged and sort of lawyerfied, you know, bring a Civic wait, Type R upscale? You're, you're lexifying the Type R nicely done. You yeah. know what? I have to go ahead and, and applaud you because <laughs> that was my wild card. Is it really? Because here's the thing what do you like? You like the weird, chuckable personality nature of the Fiesta ST. Yeah. That is what the Civic Type R has. First first time it's ever come to America. Mm-hmm. And it's a four-door sedan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, kind of make it not stand out. It disappears in the parking lot if you take that wing off. Not as not as much as you'd think. But it's still well. going to be like, who's driving? Jenkins? Yeah, it, it's still, <laughs> still, it's still <laughs> who drives that car. But, but I still like that image. I still like the fact that you are the guy at the law firm driving the Civic Type R. Please get it in a bright color. Please just do me that favor. But I'm thinking Acura doesn't make the equivalent yeah. of that yeah. car in an Acura kind of you know more refined, lexified Acura, whatever yeah. that is. It, it's the yeah. TLX A spec if we if we push on that, but yeah. it's still not a Civic Type R. I mean, you could get it in the matte gray thing and blend a little, but then you have to get crazy wheels. Come on, let's just be crazy. Let's let's embrace the crazy. I found your wheels; they're really expensive. They're the HRE P two hundred oh, wheels, wow. Forge okay. monoblock. They're twenty eight hundred dollars per wheel, but they're well, beautiful. HRE, well, yes, and HRE's they're wheels are unbelievable. But I mean, look the, at the performance price tag. would rate. Oh, they're beautiful. It would really be something. I love that that was your choice because it was. It was my wild card. I was like, based on what do you like about the Fiesta ST, there's your car. Clearly. Which is really interesting that we both landed on there. Wow. I have some more normal choices. Okay. Uh, but Because we, we've already stolen the wild card, but I do like it. Bravo. That's well, funny. Well done. But if it's a wild card, I mean, we both agree. I mean, yeah. Patrick, you've got to at least, least drive, drive this car. At least go drive it. Yes. Make make the kids laugh. Uh, so I'm thinking about... <laughs> make your clients laugh. Yeah. Make your, well, make your clients scratch their heads and go, Judges, what's clients. going on? Yeah. Anyway. Um, Other lawyers. Yes. I find you in contempt of all road rules. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, moving on. So trying to find things that are small yeah. but are nice, handle well, that are nice four doors, nice places to be yeah. that handle well with four doors. Okay. You need to go drive. Take your pick. What do you like the style of better? You need to go drive one of the sister cars, the Mercedes CLA or Ooh. GLA in AMG 45 flavor. Ooh, like four doors. Nice like Mercedes interiors. Yeah. It's a Mercedes. Oh, my lawyer drives a Mercedes. And then when you don't have the clients. giant wing. <laughs> when you don't have clients, you are sideways in a pile of smoke. I mean, you're just, you, you will wake up that turbo and it'll explode and off you go. It has that frantic turbo nature yeah. that the Fiesta does. I mean, the GLA AMG 45 is the car that we have thought of as the gentleman's Focus RS. Absolutely. Or when you've stepped up from those kind of rally-bred cars, what do you get? You get a GLA AMG 45. Yeah. So I think those are real contenders. Go drive both of those and see which one you prefer. Love that. So I really oh, like yeah. that. 
uh, I'm going to see your M3, but uh, your M5, but I'm going to go M3 E90. That is the prior gen to the current one. Mm, the four-door in that flavor? Four, that's the yeah, E90, the yeah, four-door yeah. M3. Yeah. You can get it in manual. You can get it in DCT. That is a fantastic sleeper like that that earlier gen M5 you mentioned. Where right, okay, the people right. that know that car's awesome. To everybody else, it's a BMW and a very right. nice BMW. Right, a very nice. Take the family, take your clients. And it checks it's, that box. It's awesome in all those regards. Yeah. That great V8 under the hood and a really fun car to drive. So drive that. Uh, curveball. Okay, I'm going a little even more SUV, but small SUV. Drive the Macan. Oh, you're wishing the, that Lotus uh, size made a Panamera. Drive the Macan because, to be honest Good. with you, the Macan, it's a little bigger than that GLA. It's not as as, as hair on fire chuckable as the GLA, but the Macan is a little small for an SUV. Honestly, it's it's not. You know, you th- yeah. I, I think SUV and I think roomy. It's not, but it's very nice and it is surprisingly good for handling. Very nice place to be. Nobody's going to question their lawyer in a Macan. Yes, you've gone SUV now, which I don't love for you as much, but I think that's a contender. Mm-hmm. Good. And my last one, okay. for 50 grand, I went shopping. Did I you? I got surprised. For 50 grand, how much Alpha Julia can you get? <laughs> Honestly, because even the lower models, it's a classy, full-size sedan that handles really well. Any used quadrifolios out there yet? Yes, there are, my friend. Are there really? Oh, there my gosh. Are, there, there aren't many, but there are used quadrifolios for like... Fifty-four, fifty-five. You're I'm kidding. Just me. above your budget. You're kidding. But they've got like four thousand miles on them. Maybe they came off lease, or they're a dealer car, or I something. I don't know. And and don't get me wrong. There's not a lot where where they where they're hanging out in used market is in the low sixties, but they're out there under sixty with low miles. You know how we talk about the the emergency, you know, world catastrophic catastrophic event that is. $25,000 Hellcats. Yes. The opposite of that is like forty to $50,000 Quadrifolios. That's good news for yeah. everybody. Yeah, they are. They are. I, I mean, obviously, I like we can't that. speak to reliability, but if you're buying somebody's 4,000-mile, one-year-old Quadrifolio, you've still got at least two years of warranty oh, anyway. Yeah. You know? So I have to say that's tempting. Get Drive the Julia. Drive as much Julia as you can. But seriously, if your budget's fifty grand and Quadrifolios are fifty five. I want to break the Paul limiter now. <laughs> Love it. Patrick, hopefully something there helps and yeah, you can get no a car that, that you... Here's the thing. My, my goal for you <laughs> is to be cackling with laughter up until you park your car in a cloud of smoke in the parking garage. And then at lunch, you just tootle along with clients right. in the same exact car and then cackle your way home. That'll be a success. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, thanks, guys. Write to us. Really appreciate it. And uh, we got to jump to questions now on social media. There's one over here from our friend George, Mystic Negro on Instagram. He says, what are the best and worst automotive tchotchkes and licensed products? Oh, no. You love this kind of stuff. I love it. He says, Ferrari roller coaster, Porsche Cologne. No, the Cologne is cool, as are the pants and the shirts and the watches. But uh, I will supposedly. say the Porsche espresso cups are terrible. But, uh, wow. We're off. I, yeah. But Lamborghini does have holiday candles. Nothing says, you know... <laughs> Happy holidays, Nothing like a festive, black like a candle. candle. Yeah, that, that's, what does that smell like? I don't want to know. I don't, don't want to know. But then there's the Ferrari F Racing Anti-Drip Water Bottle for Kids for only $27. You, too, can have this thing that will be garage-sailed and go waste your money It'll on that. It'll hit you in the back of the head. Leave a Ferrari logo in the back of your skull when your kids throw exactly. it from the back seat. That's what'll happen. Exactly. So, yes, uh, I didn't have enough time to go research more hateful products from... 
Wow. You that, know, that's a good bad one. Bad idea. That's a good but... bad one, if you will, yeah. <laughs> the Lamborghini candles are white and black. Honestly. Well, but... Uh, and then there's yeah. Christmas ornaments, I'm, and there's all I'm, kinds of I'm very confused stuff. as to what the thinking is about Lamborghini candles, <laughs> but all right. Uh, okay, Peter on uh, Facebook and Ben on Instagram mm. asked, like, the heads and tails of the same question. Okay. Peter says, brand new 2018 EcoBoost six-speed Mustangs are under twenty grand. Oh. Ben says, crazy deals are available on two-liter Camaros in my area. Six-speed base manuals for nineteen grand. Good point. They're both asking the same question. Yeah, pretty much. Is this car worth buying? Well, I'm going to ask this, the, the counter question to you guys. Do you want one? Right. Because if you want one, if you're curious about one, that is a, I will agree with both of you, a killer deal on either one of those cars. Mm. The biggest issue we had with the EcoBoost Mustang when we drove it was the one we had was the super-duper press-spec version at like thirty-five, thirty-six thousand yeah. $36,000, at which point you could have bought yeah. a GT, and that's ridiculous. It had wheels on it, which brand new, pushed the price up. Brand new for twenty. Brand new. I'll give it to you another way. You can't buy a Gosh. brand new Fiesta ST. You can't buy a brand new Civic SI for twenty. Rear wheel drive, That's six compelling. speed. Those motors have got good power. No, you're not getting a uh, traditional V8. Who cares? Those light motors make those har- cars handle better. If you're intrigued by the car, that is a fantastic way to get into one. And I mean, is it still going to depreciate? Yes, it will. But you didn't buy it at twenty-five or thirty. You bought it at twenty or less. Mm-hmm. So you've defended yourself against depreciation, and you still have that warranty. I don't really see a problem. <laughs> that's that's a buy signal right there. If there ever was one. Well, there's uh, our friend over here on on uh, Instagram. This is a day after never. No, uh, yeah, on Instagram. He's talking about what do we have going through our mind when you see a dude driving a hot enthusiast car with a 12 o'clock bro grip on the steering wheel? <laughs> uh, lots of things. Uh, it's trying not, not to be judgmental. But it, it, you know what? It's not, it's not specific to the bro either. There's a lot of people that drive this way. You're right. But yeah. it, it isn't. I mean, all kinds of people. And I think, all right, it's only by virtue of what you and I do that has changed my own perception and driving habits over the years. Sure, fair point. Because I could easily point at myself and say, I used to be that person. I used mm-hmm. to be having my seat way too far back, my arms fully extended, mm-hmm. driving hands in the wrong place, only one hand on the steering wheel. And it's only, like I said, by doing driving more and doing precision and fast track driving yeah, yeah, yeah. where my seat position has changed, which is now probably a little bit uncomfortable for most people, which is now kind of normal for me. I, I kind of, sure, sure, sure. I'm more You've over the steering forward, wheel. Yeah. I feel like I've got more control, mm-hmm. both hands on the steering wheel at all times. My mirrors are different. Everything is different. And I yeah. can only think it's only grown over time. You can't for just sure. tell somebody. No, of course not. And I could say in any category about any subject on the planet, <laughs> but let's stick with this one. My friend, you're doing that wrong. <laughs> Does it ever go over well? Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a bad opening line. Just so you know, that's a bad way to start a conversation. <laughs> Never Person in the history of calm down. Has anybody ever calmed down after being told to calm down? Yeah, very, Same very kind excellent of thing. point, yes. It's a, it's a meme I saw. But you know what I mean. It, nobody is going to be open to that saying, mm-hmm. well, what do you mean? This is how I drive. I've been doing it just fine. I don't get in accidents. So it's a, a mindset yeah. where I'm thinking I would love to talk to that person and see where they're coming from mm-hmm. and what their experience level is and – 
maybe there is some excitement, but maybe they just don't know. Maybe it is just a place of, you know what? I, I didn't realize that. So maybe. this is just kind of comfortable to me. So yeah. again, it's, you it, can't judge. It's a losing conversation. I totally agree with you in that regard. I knew a girl. It's fun to think about. Yeah. I knew a girl in high school, a friend of mine, beautiful girl. Okay. One of those like very hot girls in high school that drove a Honda Accord. Okay. And I always thought it was amazing. I may have mentioned her on the podcast before because if you saw her, if she was following you, if it, like behind you in a car, you look in your mirror, her head was in the center of the of the cabin. What? Because she would have her left hand oh, on the steering wheel no. and she would be leaning on her right elbow on the center console. That's how she drove everywhere. Oh, no. And so if you looked at her driving her car, it was the weirdest thing. It was this head in the middle of the cabin because of the way she sat in the seat. I always thought, doesn't that hurt? I didn't know, anything about, dri- I didn't know anything about driving at the time, but just every time I ever saw her driving, I'm thinking, that looks uncomfortable to me, but that was how she drove, so there's no way to stop that. Uh, Michael wrote a question on Facebook that I think seems really difficult at first blush, but then I have an answer. Okay. 997, that is prior to current gen, 997.1911 Carrera. Okay. Or Mustang GT350. Yeah. I knew you'd say that. Uh, I knew you'd say that. Here's the thing. Michael, I love the 997. If you watch our 50 years of 911, it's one of my favorite generations of the 911. Okay? I really like that car. But it's not nearly as unique as the GT350. The GT350 is a moment-in-time car. That engine is very unique. Yeah, yeah. It It is, for whatever reason, Ford made that car. And I, I think it is more unique than the Mustangs prior. I think it has a chance of being more unique than many of the Mustangs that will come after. It is yeah, a very unique car. There's not very many of them. I, as much as I like that 911, I'm telling you right now, GT350 is more interesting. I'm loathing agreeing with you, but I'm yeah. surprised you're agreeing, but I know you see my it's logic. It's tough. It depends on the price point of what you can get a 997 for and you know all those things. And it depends on ultimately what you want out of it. Well, but the Mustang 350 is the, something special. The Porsche is the nicer place to be. Yeah. It oh, feels yeah. more refined. I mean, come on. New, it was twice the cost of the Mustang, too. It has the German feel. It has the prestige badge. It has all those things the Mustang can't compete with. But if we're talking about what's the car that you just think, wow, that's an event, mm. I think that GT350 wins. Yeah, it's up there. Grady Eager on Instagram is talking about Jay Leno's garage, and he said, what is the most diverse and interesting car collection in the world? Well, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing very many, to be honest, from a private collection. I've seen lots of museums and, you know, of course, lots of car shows and that kind of thing, but... I would have to think Ralph Lauren's collection has got to be up there. He debuted mm. some of his cars at the Peterson Automotive Museum. And Nick Mason has got to be up there with his collection, of course. There's That's a good one too, yeah. sultans of, you, you name a country, yeah. they've got gazillion They just Ferraris decided to buy one of everything so they can say they have that it. That kind of yeah. thing. But yeah. speaking of Jay Leno's garage, I had the pleasure of going when I was still a student at Art Center mm-hmm. in 1997 and wow, it's a while ago. Yeah. The, yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I hate dates. Dates are bad. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're bad. But... We had this idea because the class art project was to get photographic reference of amazing cars to produce some paintings. Mm-hmm. And I should actually publish these paintings. I should put them out there and yeah, you should. put them on Facebook or something so you could see the 1929 Aston Lagonda that I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. Cycle fenders, machine turn dash, 
gorgeous cars. And that was in 97 yeah. when he was only making 14 million a year or whatever. You know, yeah. he had four Duesenbergs and three hangers. And that yeah. was then. Yeah, it's, it's only grown Not to mention then. what he's got now. Yeah, and people sure. just give him all kinds of stuff and posters and collectibles. I mean, he's probably thrown so much stuff away or given it away or whatever. That <laughs> Fair point. I'll just keep the good stuff. Fair and, point, yeah. I mean, he employs a guy who's a young guy who's just a steam-powered mechanic. Yes. And a couple other guys who are tired, crotchety old guys, and they curate the collection. So when I went there, I didn't get to meet Jay, but that's fine. I, I wasn't interested. I, w- I wanted to see the cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while we were there at the shop, he called in because he was coming from the Tonight Show and he wanted to pick up a Duesenberg or a Packard and you know, wow. kind of get that ready and make sure the battery's charged. And I admire him driving everything. Yep. Yep, that's it's the coolest thing about it for sure. But yes, he's got probably the one of the premier collections on the planet. As far as yeah, the breadth of it and the fact that it all runs. That's all what runs. I find fascinating. He drives it all, mm-hmm. he insures it all, I know. but he's man, he's oh, willing to share it with people, which yeah, is awesome. For sure. Unlike for sure. a lot of these other rich guys who yeah. keep it closed down unless their cars are at museums, but that's another tragedy too because you want them driving. I remember I, I don't know if you were there or not. There was a Cars and Coffee in LA a long time ago. It's it's changed venues like three times since then. There's Cars and Coffee in LA. He pulled into one morning. Okay. Sunday morning. He pulls in in the ancient I don't even know what it was, but the ancient car. Wearing denim. Was he oh, wearing yeah. denim? He was wearing denim. Yeah, it's crazy how that works. Good thing. But he pulled in one of his ancient cars, one of the ones that looks like it's actually a train car. It's so big. Okay. Oh, one of the yeah. old ones. And it broke down while he was working his way through the lot slowly. So it broke down in the middle of everything. No kidding. And I remember thinking, that's like the perfect recipe for disaster and anger. You're Jay Leno, which means everybody's going to look at what you drive anyway and get out and want to talk to you. But you parked right there where you blocked other people's cars because your car broke down. There's no way to tow it. There's no easy parts. He had to call his guys. But then he had to get out and be Jay Leno. And he did a phenomenal job of just being friendly and nice. But the thing is, he's also stuck. (laughs) <laughs> Until his guys get there to tow it away, right. there's no, I'm going to go hide now or get back in my car and leave. He has to be Mr. Friendly. He did a fantastic job. It was, it was one of the more fascinating displays of celebrity I've ever seen. Interesting. Because, because it was a perfect situation for If you were ever going to get out and be angry, these are the pieces of the puzzle. Sure. Uh, he just always seemed like a car guy. And we'd heard, yeah, hear stories sure. about, if you ever approach him about how to break into Hollywood... He'd shut you down. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about, you know, four on the floor, Ford 54, you know, whatever that is, he's your best friend. But he's yeah. still got that level of that. celebrity where For it's, sure. yeah. you know, okay, I've got other people to talk to that mm-hmm. want to hang out and chat a bit. So let me get to other people, yeah. too. And he just kind of fit. Even though he is way up here, yeah. he just fit with people. It's interesting it's how well he does that. Great. For sure. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. Uh, Jason wrote in on, on Facebook and said, if you have a car you're bored with. Oh, yeah. Does keeping it longer increase your chances of falling in love with it or growing to hate it? Mm. Yeah, I, this is... I, I, don't, I don't think it turns for the better. It I, I really depends it on the car, but it's few and far between that it would you'd fall back in love with because it again. For some here's the thing. Why are you bored? I would only say to you, Jason, if what you're bored with is easily, and I am underlining easily, easily changeable, then you maybe have a shot at it. Hmm. If what you're bored by is something that, oh, there's a fix for that. Oh, there's oh sure, there's great. But if you're bored with that car, I think it's time to move on. I don't think you're going to suddenly find the only other thing I can think of okay. is if you take that car on an adventure that makes you love it again. 
Yeah, I was going to add nostalgia, if, being owned by a parent or a grandparent. Yeah. Where you're bored with it, but you don't, never want to get rid of it but kind let's of say, feeling. Let, let's say, I'm just going to create a scenario that doesn't really exist, but let's just say you own an M3 and you think it's fine, but you've never driven it hard. You've only commuted in it. You've never taken it to a track. Oh, sure. I like that. Take it to one of those two places and suddenly you're going to be like, I really like this car. Or it's a car that is really comfortable but you've never really enjoyed driving it in your city, but you take a halfway across the country drive in it. Mm-hmm. And you may be sitting in the middle of no- nowhere while it runs perfectly and keeps you cool and plays your best music and you're comfortable and you see a great sunset and you think, I really like this car. An adventure, it's almost like a second honeymoon for you and your car. I, I really like this, the, the concept of maybe you could find a scenario, but if the car's just not interesting, you, I think it's probably time to move on. All right, so last question for me from our friend Dammit Patton. He says, what gets you more excited at a Cars and Coffee type of event? I love that Cars and Coffee have proliferated in every city everywhere. There's yeah, so many yeah. Cars and Coffee stuff. But he said, is, this, is it the latest and greatest, the high-performance, super hypercar stuff, or is it the super odd or the old stuff or the rare stuff that gets you excited? I think you have to go through a phase of seeing the exotic stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to see this stuff up close. You need to see... Two Koenigseggs hanging out next to the Bugattis that are next to the brand new mm-hmm. LaFerrari and a McLaren P1 and a couple 918s just rolled by. Yeah. You need to have that experience. However, I will say, and I'm relating it to my Monaco experience, when I'm okay. hanging out in front yeah, of the yeah. casino, yeah, yeah. Ferrari 458 owners are sort of the peons. They're sort of like, <laughs> the cars could you get that a, pile of crap out of here? <laughs> we put it at the back of the valet because it's another 458. You too. And then this... Citroen, convertible Citroen, I forget the model. It was from the 60s on air suspension. Sure. With four people yeah, that just looked yeah, yeah. delighted. Sure. They rolled sure. in and everybody went, oh, aren't yeah. you people interesting? Yeah. And then an Aston Martin Vantage Zagato with the bubble roof Ooh. followed that up the hill. Oh, yeah, there you go. And people went, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's not a million dollars. It mm. might have been a couple hundred grand, but everybody went, ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. A Rothman's Porsche 911 or a, oh, man, yeah. you know, something that rolls in like that. Yeah, I love the GT3s. I love the 911s. I aspire to own that. I sure. do. Yeah, yeah. I want us to drive the P1 and the 918 and get in the exotic hyper stuff. But in Miami, it's like oh, another Koenigsegg, yawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to see that. You need to be up close to this and appreciate sure, the carbon sure. fiber weave and see the custom anodized parts on the Huayras. And yeah. it's astounding. Yeah. But then when the rare old stuff that doesn't have to cost a lot and there's stories behind it and you never see one of those, see, that's that, the exciting stuff. That's where I agree with you. I I don't mind exotic or old or whatever. I, I love the exotic stuff across the board. It's just so cool to see. Yeah. But, but I'm going to say in general it's about what's the unique cars that showed up. Yeah. Because, you know, okay, there's four GTRs here. Great. There's four GTRs here. Yeah. You know, there there's, there's three... GT3 RSs in this parking lot right now. Fantastic <laughs> car, but first off, I've seen the dispenser in Germany, so I know they're not rare. And secondly, there's three of you, okay? Yeah. But the guy that pulls in, in it doesn't have to be the most super thing, but it could be exotic. It's just, I haven't seen one of those in forever. That's just really cool. Like a 914 Porsche that's pristine. Yeah. People go, oh, that's, wow, what a great You're car. You're the only one in the parking lot, and it looks really cool. That's a great one. I really do like that. I have one more. Okay, fantastic. Andrew had a question about the Stinger. And I don't have, I guess, a definitive answer, but it's an interesting thing to ponder. He's got mm. a friend who is really looking at a Stinger GT. 
really considering it. But his concern is depreciation, and he's concerned. Sure. Is the Kia Stinger, because of the Kia badge, going to depreciate faster than if he bought something else? Andrew, your answer to your friend was nobody knows, which actually is the right answer. But I'm going to give you a thought on this, though. Okay. If your friend went and bought a 5 Series, a brand-new M3, a Alpha Julia, all of those are going to drop like stones. Yeah. All of them will. You know, I'll take the Alpha out. Buys a brand new Audi A6. These luxury sedans all drop quickly. I don't care who the brand is. True. So my feeling is if the Kia drops quickly, it's in good company. All of that stuff's going to drop. Sure. Your friend is not going to go buy a $50,000, $60,000 sedan and it's going to hold its value. They all plummet. So yeah, I think yeah. the Stinger, if it drops quickly, is going to be in, in, in good company. I think it probably will depreciate unless they don't make very many. And I'm worried about that car not selling to begin with. Yeah. If they yeah. sell a ton of them, that. it might drop faster. If they don't sell very many, I think it will probably bounce higher than its German rivals because you just don't see them. And if you're truly worried about it, leasing might be for you. Yeah, true. True, true. Just but, saying. But the brand new the brand new fifty and above sedans just drop. They do. They just drop. They do. I, I think that car is gonna be appreciated. The more people that discover it, I, I guess I have high hopes. Let's yeah. let's leave it at that. The optimism for that car I remains. Hear you. Okay, that's fair. Guys, thank you so much for writing in. We really appreciate it. And uh, we are sure looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day. When he was 47, Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.